Hey, welcome to this week's podcast. We're still in the series entitled The Power of All. And if this message blesses you, we would love to hear from you. Visit our Facebook and Instagram page. And without further ado, here's Pastor Daniel Cruz. We're going to invite our pastor up. But can we just be as loud and obnoxious as we can? We about to... We're about to invite my pastor up, but in the meantime, I know when there's special guests that come, we, we scream and, and we holler, but I swear my pastor is better than anybody that comes and visits. So on the count of three, can we just be loud and obnoxious as he comes up here and blesses us? One, two, three, it's church. God. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 You know, the atmosphere is just right. I think just to go right into the Word of God, today we'll collect the offering right after the message. Is that all right? Amen. And um, so I want us to go into the Word of God. I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, you're probably saying, man, it's going to be a long message because he's starting in Genesis. <laughs> no, uh, it's, it's actually not. It's actually surprisingly going to be rather short. Um, however, I did want to leave with you something that I believe the Lord was placing in my heart. Um, but once you have Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, uh, just say aloud, amen. amen. Y'all cheating, huh? Everybody has it now. Well, let's pray. Well, Father, we just thank you for this day. We ask you, dear Lord, to bless, dear God, our time together. I ask you, dear Father, to think through my mind, speak through my vocal cords, send the kind of anointing that makes preaching and teaching easy. And I ask you, Father, that as I speak to the multitude, you speak to the individual, in Jesus' precious name, and I ask you that your word as a shaft of light into a dark room, that it would illuminate, dear God, everything in our lives that need to be corrected, need to be, dear God, rejected, in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen, amen. and amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you're in the right place today, and you're about to hear the right information. Is there an amen? amen? Glory to God. Today I want to deal with part two on a message we started a couple of weeks ago entitled Partnering with God. Partnering with God. And I don't want you to check out right now because oftentimes whenever we hear the title of a message we'll either assume at that point it's relevant or irrelevant. And so I don't want you to make that mistake. I want you to listen to what the word of the Lord is for you all today. And uh, I ask that you be attentive, not allow anything to distract you. And I ask you to please, because we are recording, uh, if you can please not walk in front of the camera at all. Um, if you need to and must get up, go to your extreme uh, left. Amen? Somebody say amen. amen. All right. Praise God. I want us to read Genesis 1-3. And I want us to break this down a little bit as it relates to the definition that is found in this particular scripture, especially as it relates to the word light. It says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. Let's move to verse 1 and 2. So if we can go back to verse 1 and 2. I want us to read verse 1 and 2 before we unwrap verse 3. Because it will make a lot more sense as we go along. And we're also going to be navigating through the New Testament. So I want you to just keep your hearts wide open to the word of the Lord. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I want you to understand that according to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God created the heavens and the earth, and the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord was hovering there over the waters, and then in verse 3, God says, let there be light. Let there be what? Let there be light. Now, if we were to go through a chronological order, it would appear that God created things in the dark. Because instead of saying, let there be light first, it says that the heavens and the earth were created. The only thing is that there was mayhem, there was chaos. Everybody say chaos. Chaos, chaos is when things are no longer in order. That's chaos. Mothers know about chaos when they walk into their 16-year-old's bedroom. It's chaos oftentimes. Whenever we walk into a messed up situation, usually we say, man, that's a chaotic situation. It's all discombobulated. It's all out of order. It doesn't make sense. The Bible teaches that God created the heavens and the earth. Everyone listen to me carefully. However, in verse 2, it says that the earth was formless, empty, dark, and it says that this was the overwhelming feel, sense, and experience on the earth. Now, my question to you is this. When we read the scriptures, does God ever create anything formless and empty? No. Does God create things and basically calls them darkness? No. It's out of character with God. God doesn't create something and just uh, basically put it out there when it's not fully formed, when it's not fully designed, when it's not fully created. Is there an amen? So then what happened between verse 1 and verse 2? What happened between God created the heavens and the earth and verse 2, now it says, notice where it says now, now the earth was formless and empty, darkness over the surface of the deep uh, was covering and the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. Something happened when we look at Scripture from a theological perspective and we get deep, somebody shout deep, we then discover that something happened between verse 1 and verse 2 that is not apparent on the onset, but that later on there is a revelation, especially in the book of Isaiah, of what happened. The Bible teaches that Lucifer exalted himself against the knowledge of God. The Bible teaches that Lucifer took on this prideful heart, and the Bible says that he tried to usurp God's authority, tried to galvanize all of the angels of heaven to back him up and his efforts to overthrow God. Then the Bible says that Lucifer was cast where? He was cast down to the center of the earth. Everybody say he was cast down to the center of the earth. I want you to understand that whenever the devil arrives somewhere, order becomes chaos. Whenever the devil arrives to a certain place, believe me that whatever is in order will, be, will begin to take on a formless aspect. Darkness begins to cover. Are you listening to me? Void begins to be descriptive of the situation. And it could be any situation. It could be a marriage. The moment married couples allow the devil to come in, whether, whether you know it or not, the bottom line is that that beautiful 
order you have in the beginning, the marriage, the celebration, everything, the dreams, the plans, everything you've already set in order becomes chaotic when you allow the enemy to come in, when you don't realize you've opened a door to the enemy in your marriage. Those of you right now that are facing chaos in your family, I'll tell you where it's coming from. It's coming from the source, which is Lucifer. Lucifer always arrives and brings chaos. He always comes and tries to make out of order disorder or chaos. Is there an amen? Okay, so we need to cast that sucker out. Is there an amen? I said we need to cast that sucker out. Jesus said, behold, I give you power and I give you authority over all the powers of the devil and they shall by no means harm you. Jesus said, I go, glory to God, but I leave you my name. Jesus said, in my name, you shall cast out devils. You shall cast out devil. Alexis, you shall cast out devils. Dennis, you shall cast out devil. Come on, Jennifer, you shall cast out devils. Daniel, you shall cast out devils. Rich, you shall cast out devils. Come on, Kevin, you shall cast out devils. You, 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 you. Is there an amen? amen? You shall cast out devils. My question is, how many devils have you cast out as opposed to how many have you invited in? Is there an amen? So what happens? The devil arrives to God's creation and makes chaos out of order. So now, God, verse 3, says this. He says, let there be what? Light. There is a twofold meaning in the word light. Number one, it does mean to illuminate, illumination, it means to brighten, and so on and so forth. But the Jews understand the deeper meaning of the word light. It is the word or, O-W-R, or. And that word or is very revealing. Listen to me very carefully. Because that word or, O-W-R, in the Hebrew, literally means to put things Back in order. Everybody say order. So when God said, watch this, in Genesis 1-3, after looking at the chaos, the void, the darkness, he says, let there be light. He is literally saying in the Hebrew, let there be or, or let there be order. Somebody say order. Say it again. Order. Say it again. Order. In fact, the English word for order has in it the prefix or, which means when God said, let there be light, he was saying, let there be order. And then the Bible says that order began to emerge. Is there an amen? Now, how does that enable us to partner with God. Well, Jesus comes later on. I told you this message is going to be short. Jesus comes later on, and he says this. He says, I am the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the what? The light of the world. He wasn't saying, I am a light bulb. He wasn't saying, I am a light that illuminates he wasn't saying that he was saying i am the order for the earth i am the one that brings order on the earth i am the one that has the revelation to bring order those that follow me also become light jesus said you are you now talking not about himself but now talking about you you, Jacqueline, you, Jesse, when Jesus was talking about you, now he says, you, Enoch, are 
light. What is he saying? Is he saying that you're just going to walk around illuminating? He's not saying that you're going to walk around glowing. He's saying you're going to walk around. You are the order. The one that I have anointed. The one that I have chosen. The one that I have elected. The one that I have selected in order to bring order to the chaos in this world. Is there an amen? Glory to God. Why do you think the church exists? Jesus said, what about the church? He said, you are a what? A light. The church is a light. It says that cannot be hid. Is there an amen? amen. We are a church that is or light. And so when marriages come in here, discombobulated, all in disarray, when lives come here, all jacked up, messed up from the floor up, they begin to listen to the word of God, expose themselves to the anointing in the atmosphere, and God's glory and the ore of the Lord or the light of God begins to put order in their lives. Well, I got to get this right. Well, I, I shouldn't be doing this anymore. Why? Because your light, your order begins to contrast their darkness. Watch this. This is powerful. Is there an amen in the house? Is this all right or is this too much? Glory to God. Glory to God. Now watch this. Jesus said, walk in a way that causes others to observe your life in order to contrast their darkness. When people look at you, they should see order. When people look at your marriage and they examine you, you should reveal God's divine order. If they see the husband and the wife fighting, bickering, screaming, disrespecting each other, what are you doing? Are you walking as light? Or are you walking as darkness? Are you walking in order or disorder? Order or chaos? Watch this because it's going to get very down and personal in just a second. Is there an amen? Watch this. Jesus said, God says in the Old Testament, Psalms 119, he says, my word is a what? Lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. It is a lamp. There's the twofold. Or twofold. It illuminates, but it's also light. It also brings order. So God said, my word doesn't just illuminate. In other words, ah, give you that aha moment, but it also brings order when you begin to apply it to your life. It brings order to relationships, order to the home, order to your business, order to your personal life, order to your finances, order. God brings order. Listen to me carefully. If you have disorder in your finances, it's because you have no light in the area of finances. What do you need to get? What do you need to do? You got to get to the word of God. It's the lamp. It's the lamp. And the lamp provides what? Order. Because you see what is out of place and you begin to do. Shift. Change. Eliminate. Add. Is there an amen? Is this, is this all right? All right. Very good. Let's, 
let's move right along. I'm telling you, you guys are getting out early today. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> now watch this. Now watch this. This is powerful. So what is or? See, or is not you being one big light. But or, because it is order, it is every small decision you make that either reveals or, order, or it reveals chaos. And so God says, you can't get up in the morning, watch this, because we have a whole bunch of Christians saying this, I am the light, but their actions are dark. Notice the difference. I am. God wasn't talking about what you are per se. He was talking about light, what you do. Watch this. This is powerful, and we see it much more clearly in this verse. Watch this. Open up your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, or just look up at our screen. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, and it says this. Watch this. Are you ready for this? It says, in the same way, let your light shine before men. Watch this now. That they might see your good deeds or your good works and glorify or praise your Father which is in heaven. So here we see the function of the word or. He says, let your light shine, but what is the actual light consist of? What does it consist of? That they might see your what? Good works. That's where your light shines. That's the or. It's not just let your light shine. I'm just lighting. I'm just lit. I'm lit. I'm lit. <laughs> you know. I'm just... I'm just lit. The brother's lit, okay? Pastor's lit, all right? It, it's not just being lit. It's not just being lit. It's what is that light producing? That's the or. That's the actual light. So this is how our life ought to look because this is the only thing that will cause men. Can you plug this here, please? So this is what your life is supposed to look like, and this is actually what God is saying. He says, you are or, you are light. And the only way the world is going to look at you and glorify me, says the Lord, is with every decision you make. It's a consecutive line, if you will, or lifestyle of choices and decisions that are light. You decided at work not to lie. When everyone else was lying about something, you decided not to lie. That's or. And that or, or that light, that order is what testifies that God is at work in your life. Just that one. See, it's not, it's not you just showing up to work. I am light. I'm different than everyone around me. That's not what or reveals. Or reveals every act of righteousness and godly order is what reveals that you're light. You were invited by your coworkers to happy hour, and they're all drinking the latest drink, cocktail, you name it, and they invite you to just be happy for an hour. And you say, you know what? Uh, no, man. No. Why? You know what? I just, I just get high on life, man. Well, wait a minute. You don't need to drink to get happy, to forget about your cares? Uh-uh, man. The Bible says the joy of the Lord. That's my strength. The Bible says, be not drunk with wine wherein there is disillusion, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Woo, glory to God. What did you do? It's another 
light, another or. See, this is what begins to cause people to glorify God. It's not because you say you're a Christian. Oh, you're a Christian? So am I. But whose or is visible? Whose or is testifying? Is there an amen? You see, we want to be like the world. We want to be like them because if we're like them, we won't be criticized by them. So we'd rather blend in than stand out. Is there an amen? So you go home. Your wife said she's had enough, and she wants out of the marriage. You could easily say, well, forget you. You know what? I'm going to do my thing, you do your thing, and to hell with everyone else. You can say anything and do anything, leave, go get drunk, go get high, go, go find a, a one-night stand, or you can say, hold on a second, God put us together and we need to work this thing out. We need to start praying together, sweetheart. What is it that I've done that brought you to this place where you feel this way? Have I been neglecting you? Have I been doing the wrong thing? Have I been talking to you a certain way? What is it that I've been doing? Have I been financially irresponsible? Have I been hanging out more with my friends than I am with you? Have I made you priority or have I caused you to feel devalued? What is it? But sweetheart, when I said till death do us part, I meant till death do us part. I'm not going any place. I am here and I'm willing to work this thing out. What am I doing? I am allowing my ore to shine. Some of us do this. Baby, I am so upset. I am, I'm leaving. I don't want you this. You have done this. Oh, really? Forget you. I don't care what you think. Kids are running off, scurrying, hiding under the bed. Why? There's no or. There's no order. Is there an amen in the house? So I think I broke this one. No, I didn't. You need to cause, you need to cause your light to shine. Is there an amen? Is there an amen? So when God is talking about you being light on the earth, it's not just you walking in somewhere as the privileged child of the Almighty, though we are, but it's what testifies is every decision you make when it matters and when it counts and people begin to see the, the collective, come on, the collective, glory to God, amount of lights, decisions, choices you've been making that testify that God is at work in your life. Is there an amen in the house? that testifies that if God did this for you, he's able to do it for me because I've been observing you and I have seen every decision you've been making, choices when you've been around me, how you chose to live for God. Come on, to honor the Lord. That's what testifies who you are. Is there an amen? amen. It's not who you boast to be. It's who you live that testifies. Granted, sometimes you may miss it. Missed it a couple of times there. It's out. Sometimes you may miss it. Didn't act right. Didn't say things right. Acted wrongly. But man, thank God that you're not just one light that goes out, 
but you are a series of lights. Come on. Come on. You are a series of decisions, a series of choices, a series, glory to God. Somebody say amen to that. Glory to God. So don't condemn me if some days my light doesn't go on. Maybe this was a bad week. But man, I've been with the Lord. I had a conference with God. I had a meeting, him and I. And he told me and pointed out the things that I needed to do. And here I am, glory to God, on Monday. Back in the swing of things, somebody say amen to that. Glory to God. How does that relate to us as a church? Well, it's important for us to understand that what reveals, hear me, that we are partnering with God is not just that we show up, but it's what we do. What we do. What we do with our finances. We're in the process of building a house for the Lord. Those of you that don't know that, this is not our building. But we have purchased a building that, by the grace of God, the Lord has entrusted us with. It's a block-long building. And our vision, and, our, and by the way, next Sunday, you're going to see a video of every room in this building. And myself and my wife, we're going to be talking about this building to you, and we're going to be taking you through it so that you could see what God is doing in this house and what God wants to do with you, with me, for our children, for our children. Because it's all about legacy. Building legacy. Is there an amen? I don't know about you, but I don't want to live my life and have, and at the end of my life, look back and have wasted my life on temporary things. I want to know that because I existed, I left something standing. Is there an amen? that's going to outlive me, that's going to outlive my children, that's going to outlive, come on somebody, somebody say amen, that's going to outlive us. And so we are faced with a series of choices and decisions, especially as it relates to the decisions we're going to make in the next few weeks leading up to Easter. Leading up to Easter, we are challenging this church in the spirit and in the power of all coming together with a vision to build a house. And aren't you glad that God didn't just put it on your shoulders and say, you know what, you need to make this happen. No, he placed it on every one of our shoulders and he has put in us the ability to be able to see something come to pass, to build something great for the kingdom of God. And so you have to make a decision. What are you going to do this year with your income tax check? What are you going to do? Now, you know that most of us don't need our income tax check to live because if you waited just once a year for that one check, then we would be visiting you at the nearest homeless shelter. But if you have a home or if you have an apartment and if you have your furniture and you have your family and you have your food and, and you have your job and so on and so forth, then you're blessed. You really truly are blessed. Now, whether you manage something correctly or incorrectly, whether there's order in your finances, that's a different story. But the bottom line is we are blessed. And God is going to challenge you. What are you going to do for his house? Because this is not my project. This is not my mandate. This is our mandate. It's the power of all. Listen, whenever you read in the Bible, in the book of Revelations, chapter uh, uh, 1, 2, and 3, listen, you will read about seven letters that Jesus sent to seven churches. 
And when he's writing to these churches, get this, please, don't miss this. When he's writing to these churches, he doesn't write to individuals. He's writing corporately to the whole church. When he writes to the church of Ephesus, he's not writing to um, Abdul that lives on the corner of Sheep and Goat Avenue. Come on, somebody. He's writing to the whole church. He says the church of Ephesus. And then he says this, I know you. Wait a minute. The church was made up of a multiplicity of people, but yet Jesus said, I know you. And then he said that you are like this, like this, like this. That you tolerate this and you don't tolerate this. And he begins to rebuke them, but also in some instances commend them. My question is this. When God looks at Faith World in Chicago, he's going to judge us based on our corporate heart. What we do in the power of all, or what we fail to do. So, we ask you to pray and say, God, what do you want us to do this year? How much are we going to give for this building project? And God, where do you want it to come from? Is it going to come from my income tax? Is it going to come from equity in our building? Which, by the way, I took equity out. I took equity out of our building a number of years ago for the church in the sum of about $260,000 of equity. And, and all that money went toward our ministry. I've never gotten that money back because... I didn't intend necessarily on getting it back. I was giving toward a cause. Somebody say amen. amen. Because I believe in the ministry. Is there an amen? amen? Well, Pastor Daniel, you're the pastor. You should be giving uh, above and beyond more than anybody else. No, no, that's not true. I am a member just like you. I said, I am a member of this church just like you. Just like you. No different. My role and my function may look different, but I am, at the end of the day, a member just like you of Faith World Church. Somebody give the Lord a clap offering, amen? Because that's where we all are. So we ask you to pray and, and ask the Lord. It's not going to be equal sums, but it is going to be equal sacrifice. We will all sacrifice. Somebody say amen. Let me talk to you a little bit more about the power of all. Everyone listen to me very carefully. We have to be very careful what we say. What, we, what comes out of our mouth. Somebody say, what comes out of our mouth? Say it again. Say it again. What comes out of our mouth either unites us, encourages us, or depletes us and divides us. Did you hear what I just said? And so we have to be careful, hear me, even how we joke around. And I don't mean this in a means way. But when we joke around and we say, <laughs> I'm going to go to ABC Church down the street. Or I'm going to go to ABC Church down the next block, playing around. We joke around sometimes like that. People, I've heard people say, joking around. Oh, I'm going to go to Trinity Church if you keep messing with me like that. And that might get a chuckle from some. But let me ask you a question. What if your wife or your husband joked around with you like that. And every time you said something she didn't like or he didn't like, they would say, <laughs> I'm going to go and leave with Bob. 
I'm going to go and leave with so-and-so. If my wife told me, uh, you keep on messing with me like that, I'm going to go leave with Juancho. I'm going to leave with Berto. I wouldn't be laughing if she told me that. Why? Can, can I expose myself, uh, you know, my, uh, sh- shamefully? <laughs> Listen to this carefully. A number of years ago, we had a guest speaker at our church when we were on Fullerton Avenue. And I had the microphone before I gave the microphone to him to preach. I was talking to the church and I, I said something that I thought was a joke. I said to them, oh, I said to them, by the way, I said, I'm going to be moving to such and such a state. I'm going to be leaving. And I just wanted to inform you that I'm going to be leaving and uh, we're going to be looking for another pastor. And I connected that to a joke. I gave the part over to the pastor. By the way, some people laughed and so on and so forth. When I told them I was just joking, I was just kidding. Watch this. When after the message that we went into my office, that the preacher came into the office, he looks at me square in the eye and he says, don't you ever say that to your church again. Am I right? He says, how could you say something like that even joking? You never say something like that. Because this church needs to know they have your 100% devotion and commitment. Hold on. He was the guest speaker. This was our church, and he's rebuking me in the office. But I received that, and never again have I messed around or joked in any way, shape, or form. And he made that same comparison. He said, it's the same thing as if you're joking around like that with your wife about leaving her. He said, there's nothing funny about that. And ever since then, I've had that zeal for God's house. And I'm very careful what comes out of my mouth. So any joking around about I'm going to ABC or Mount Olive or this or that or new this or old that or whatever the case may be. That needs to cease if we're going to operate in the power of all. We need to be careful what comes out of our what? Mouth. It's not funny. And if you hear it coming from anybody, you tell them it's not funny. Is there an amen? That's important, folks. And I've been waiting to say this for a while because I've heard here, and I know it's all in jest, but a lot of times what we say in jest can really affect the spirit of our effort. Is there an amen? Amen. Everybody stand to your feet. I told you I was going to end early. You all didn't believe me, huh? Now listen to me carefully. I want to leave you with one more thought. It's 12.32. And this is the thought. We're partnering with God. God says, you are light. Now put things in order. Those things that are not in order, I've anointed you to set in order. To set in order. Right now we have a building that's not in order. We have a building that's not in order. And God has anointed us to put it in order. 
to be a place where we glorify God, where multitudes come to the knowledge of Christ, where we have off-the-hook productions, where people come to Jesus by the multitudes, where our children are being ministered to in a nice spacious area that is conducive to, to learning, the learning of a, of a child. Is there an amen? Where we see a community impacted for the glory of God. But God also said, be salt. Everybody say, be salt. Listen to this verse. Listen to this verse. He says, salt is good. Everybody say, salt is good. Hold on, say, just give me three minutes. Look at your neighbor and say, just hold on for three minutes. Watch this. God said, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness... How can it be made salty again? Watch this. We are given opportunities in our life that may never come again. We have been given opportunities as a church. We have been presented with opportunities by Almighty God that may never come again. And this is our moment. This is our moment. I said, this is our moment. This is our, our, our moment. Is there an amen? And so you have to think, what am I going to do? What are we going to do, sweetheart? How much are we going to sacrifice? And that's the key, sacrifice. Watch this. He says, if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears, let him hear. You know what God was saying there? Listen, God was saying salt that has lost its effectiveness its saltiness is not even good, he said, to throw on the manure pile. Now you might say that was Jesus' sarcasm, but it wasn't. Did you know that in the biblical days when Jesus was around, they would use manure to turn on fire? And the only way that they were able to keep the fire burning was by taking salt and pouring it over the manure and that would cause the fire to be sustained. So Jesus says, if the salt loses its saltiness, it's not even good to throw on the manure pile. He was stating a fact. How does that relate to us? God has anointed you for the things in life that are dung, manure, and if I can use a vulgar term, crap. He's anointed you for crap. Watch this. He's anointed you to change every crappy situation. He's anointed you to turn every, may I, crappy situation. Watch this. To where the fire of God comes on a situation. And causes the fire to burn, the flames to, to burn. Is there an amen in the house? Is this okay? Please don't leave here. And the only thing you heard was that pastor said crap. Did you hear what the pastor said?
Is there an amen? Amen. Sometimes we need to be very plain and clear with how God said things so that we can get a picture and allow it to change our lives so that we can also likewise in change the life of, of a church and of families. Is there an amen? Put your hand over your heart and say, Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to use me as light and salt. Help me with every decision, every choice that I make. Be a witness of the power of God working in my life. I am the sum total of every choice and decision I've made. And either this has caused men to glorify you or to reject you. Help us as a church come together in the power of all and meet this challenge head on to build a house for the next generation. In Jesus' name, an apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, pastoral house, five-fold ministry, alive and effective, impacting lives for generations to come. In Jesus' mighty name, Somebody say amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Bow your heads for a moment. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you've subscribed in order to get our latest messages. And also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You know, it's always an honor and a privilege to come to you on a regular basis to deliver to you the life-giving word of God. Until next time, God bless you.